It's a gospel on the radio talk show. A show about dreams and visions and a church that is indeed triumphant, alive, and well. For the church triumphant is alive and well. Hello, Tallahassee. This is the Gospel on the Radio talk show. I am Pastor Jack King. I am your host and... uh, Well, it's always exciting to be able to spend time with the radio audience, but this is my second Sunday here on 94.1, show number 1032. If you've never heard this show before, I've been doing this for about 20 years. This is the uh, fourth station I've been on, uh, several format changes along the way, but uh, God called me back to radio, like I say, about 20 years ago, and uh, this is one of the wonderful things about it interview people people from all different perspectives of a christian ministry i say this is a show about dreams and visions and a church triumphant alive and well and it's exciting i do have a few rules we don't talk sports politics or doctrine but we do always speak well of one another and uh, that's worked real real well over the years and I am very excited to have uh, Pastor Eli Hendricks back with me. He was on the show. Now, f- again, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing the radio audience up to speed here. I've been on 97.9 for the last, well, since 2006. And uh, interviewed a lot of people. And Brother Hendricks was on the show here not too long ago. And we talked about his church and life and ministry. And after it was over, he handed me a book. <laughs> And it's a beautiful book. And it says, Walking in the Footsteps of Jesus, Israel. And he put this book together and he told me that you do tours to Israel, right? That's correct. And how many have you done? I've done 29. This is Pastor Hendricks, by the way, the voice you're listening to there. 29 times you've been to Israel and I've been to Israel not even one time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we got to change that soon. But I have a feeling I'm not alone that there's probably many folks listening to us right now that they've never been to Israel either. So you're going to be our tour guide today. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now, here's the way I want to go about this. And I've, I've read the Old Testament. I've read the New Testament. Okay. And there are things that I'm familiar with that you would say, yeah, that's there. That's not still there. This is There's just things you're going to tell us about all of this. Now, recently... In my church, we've been studying the gospel of Mark, and it's been exciting because I, I love Mark because he is short and concise, and he just gets right down to it and takes you through the whole thing. 16 chapters, he's done, okay? But one of the things I began to notice that the early days of Jesus' ministry was in the upper regions, up around Galilee, Cana, that are... Tell me about that. This did I'm sure he. Of course, he'd been to Jerusalem, but Nazareth is all that up there. Well, you know what you've you've asked a a mouthful. Okay. So let me just kind of back up a little bit. All right, let's do it. So Israel is known as the fifth gospel. You will get a revelation traveling to the Holy Land that you'll never get in a Bible study or any type of commentary. There's something about walking those cobblestone streets, um, experiencing the cultures, um, having the smells that will enable you to understand why Jesus did much of what he had done. 
you know, Jesus was Jewish, and so he and his, Mary and Joseph were both practicing Jews. So yes, Jesus had already been to Jerusalem because, as a matter of fact, all males 21 years right. of age or older were required to go to Jerusalem three times a year. And you remember when he was a young lad, they lost him, right? And because they were there in Jerusalem, and that's when they found him in the temple, and he was um, schooling some of the rabbis, right, right, giving them some insight. Good. And so, but yes, Jesus spent um, all of his childhood there in Nazareth. And, um, and as a matter of fact, today they've opened up what they call the Jesus Trail, which is, really? which is a walking trail that goes from Nazareth all the way down to the Sea of Galilee, Wow! Uh, which is roughly a good day's journey. You know, some will okay. camp along the way, and so they'll take multiple days to be able to do it. And so, but you know, Jack, this is... Um, I have done 29 trips, and people ask me, how did I ever get into this? Right. Well, I had the joy of serving under a great man of God, Dr. Robert A. Shelley, who'd been to Israel 50 times. Wow. And he'd be, I'll never forget him yeah. um, telling the congregation that a journey to the Holy Land will cause the black and white pages to be able to come into full color with inside of the scriptures. Wow. And, and he wasn't joking. Huh. Every Sunday when I stand before my congregation, doesn't matter where I'm at, Old Testament, New Testament, as I'm, I'm beginning to um, unfold a message, it's crystal clear to me. It's it's in full color. I know what the terrain looks like. I know wow, what the ruins look wow. like. Now, now, make no uh, mistake. This is not the same um, um, setting that it was two thousand years no, ago. No, couldn't be. No. And so, you know, Israel has switched hands numerous times. Um, they've had many um, invading armies and have destroyed um, a lot that they built up. But what's beautiful is that nothing is ever lost. And it's amazing. I just want to share some principles with you that I believe that it's going to cause the Bible to be able to come alive. Okay. As a matter of fact, here you're talking about the Galilee. Okay. Uh, many people don't quite realize why Jesus would have chose Capernaum for his ministry headquarters. Now, there's two, two um, roads that, that travel through Israel. One is called the King's Highway, which is basically over in the Jordanian Mountains. And that's the one that Abraham went up? Yep. Okay. And then there's another one called the Via Mares, which okay. goes. I, I've heard the name. So it, okay. can, it connects Egypt with um, a Mesopotamia. And Via Mares cuts across, it comes up the, the coastal highway um, through um, um, Joppa, through Caesarea, and then begins to cut over towards Nazareth and all the way through Capernaum and all the way up into Mesopotamia. And so Jesus, you know, made Capernaum his, his headquarters. And many people think that he made his headquarters there because of the, the Amares, because a lot of travelers would come through. You have to understand back then they didn't have newspaper. They didn't have radio. Right. They didn't have the Internet. So what they had was word of mouth. Right. And so you ask yourself, how did people in neighboring towns find out about Jesus? How did they find out about his miracles? You know, on Palm Sunday, when he comes over the Mount of Olives and comes down through the Kidron Valley, um, all of a sudden, there are hundreds of thousands of pilgrims that are there celebrating the Passover. And all of a sudden, they recognize that that is Jesus. Mm -hmm. They'd already heard the stories. They already knew that he just raised Lazarus from the dead. So word of mouth was the way that people traveled. So what a great thing that travelers would come and, and they would stay there in Capernaum. Also, they had a uh, a Roman um, outpost there. You know, it was a centurion there that Jesus healed his servant there right. in Capernaum. And history tells us through Josephus that that centurion also built a, a synagogue there for the Jews. Had a great relationship with the Jews. And, um, and so they would stay, they would pay a tax because anybody that traveled through Roman um, territory, they had to be able to pay a tax. And as they would dine and recline, they would hear the stories of this, this rabbi, this young um, rabbi and the teachings that he had, as well as the miracles that he performed. And as they went on to neighboring villages and towns, they would share those stories. 
But many people think that that's why he stayed there at Capernaum. Well, you know, the fact of the matter is, is I believe that there's another reason why he stayed there at Capernaum, which is up in the Galilee. You know, Capernaum also, the, the Hebrew name for it is Kafar Nahum. Um, Kafar means village. And Nahum, many people think, well, maybe it was the village of the prophet Nahum. But nowhere inside of the scriptures does it say that the prophet Nahum was ever there. But when you begin to study the Nahum, you begin to realize that the name also means comfort, repentance, or consolation. And so um, um, Capernaum was known as the village of comfort, the village of repentance, and the village of consolation. And you know, for many of us, they're like, oh, that's pretty interesting. Sure. But I want to refer you back to Nazareth. Remember, it was there that Jesus went into the synagogue at Nazareth. And they handed him a scroll. Right. And remember, he read from the book of Isaiah. Right. What many people don't realize is that Jesus didn't turn to the keeper of the scrolls and say, hand me the book of Isaiah. Um, they have a thing called a Parsha. And a Parsha is prescribed readings. So in synagogues all over the world, they all read the same readings every single week. Still, till, um, that's true till, um, to this day, that they turn and, and whatever is prescribed, whatever is in the Parsha, is what every synagogue reads. So when they handed him the scroll of Isaiah, they were handing him the same scroll that was being handed out in San Francisco, all over Syria, all over the world, wherever there were synagogues. Really? Yep. And so he wasn't asking for that, role, that, that, scribe, or that, that scroll. Excuse me. So what took place was they handed him the book of Isaiah, the 61st chapter, which we know speaks of the Messiah. Right. And here he begins to talk about it. And he reads that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prisons to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closes the book. And he says, today the scripture is fulfilled in your midst. Right. But what people don't understand, that was the call of the Messiah to be able to heal the brokenhearted, right. to be able to pr proclaim liberty to the captives, to be able to open the prisons to those that are bound. Now he journeys to Capernaum, which has a town that has the very same meaning. But the thing about it is that the people who were there must have just been stunned when, they, it, when he said that. They were stunned. <laughs> but they'd already heard about the miracles that yeah. were being performed, but he was so common to them. You see, Jack, sometimes what happens is that God sends us answers to things that we think, no, certainly this can't be God. This is too easy. Right. And for them, you know, they knew Joseph. They knew Mary. Sure, they knew his sure. brothers and sisters. And certainly, you know, um, there was no way that this could have been the Messiah. But the fact of the matter is, is that God has a very unique way of making things happen. Okay, to do this for me now, and, and, and the, best, best, the best we can do over radio, pinpoint where these different cities are, Nazareth, Capernaum, Cana, in the area of Galilee. I mean, you go up the Jordan River from Jerusalem. Kind of give me a, the best, you know, it's kind of hard to do the, the visual here. But where are they located? All right. So you know, what's difficult is that it's a very mountainous area. Okay. All right. So when you when you come up north from from um, from Jerusalem, um, up through the Jordan um, Valley, is where the Jordan River flows through, um, you have the, the country of Jordan on your right-hand side. Um, okay. Further north, you have Syria. And then all the way to the very north of Israel, you also have Lebanon. Okay. Um, and so to give you a kind of a picture, all the way to the coast is Joppa. Okay. That's where Jonah right, right. You know, sailed. Um, just a little bit north of Joppa, um, maybe 15 miles, is Caesarea Maritima, which is also Caesarea by the sea. 
Okay. And that's where Cornelius. Right. You know, right. Um, Peter had a vision right. there in, in Joppa, went to, went to Caesarea. Um, directly north of that is Mount Carmel. Okay. And so about another 20 miles is Mount Carmel. It's not a real big um, um, country. As a matter of fact, it's about the size of Rhode Island. Really? And so it's not real big. And so just a little bit north of Caesarea is the, the, um, um, the, the tell of Megiddo. Now, a tell is a man-made mountain. And so the Megiddo has 23 different civilizations piled on top of one another. So oh when, a, when, a, when, a, when a conquering nation would come in, they would destroy the buildings that were there, but they would build right on top of them. <laughs> and, and, and so you had 23 different layers of, of, of civilization. Well, if you could imagine, just, just go with me on a journey. You're standing on the, the tail of Megiddo, which stands probably 75 feet above the Jezreel Valley. The Jezreel Valley is where the Bible talks about that the Battle of Armageddon will take place. Um, and so if we're standing there looking um, 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 due north and you've got um, the 12 o'clock on your watch, if you would turn to the, the 2 o'clock position, you would see Mount Geboa. Okay. That's where um, the battle took place. That, that, that um, An archer shot King Saul. Right, and okay. He had a mortal wound and he fell upon his sword and committed suicide. Just to, to the, the 130 position, so you're only moving 30 position on a watch. Okay. Um, you have um, Mount Tabor, where some believe, um, I don't know who they are, it's not me, but some <laughs> believe it's the Mount of Transfiguration. Ah. And then um, at the one o'clock position, so we're going from, from right to left, at one o'clock position is um, Sepporus which was a Roman city about seven miles from Nazareth. Many believe that's where, where Jesus and Joseph would have spent many of their days because Nazareth was a very small town, maybe 125 in population. And so we know that, that, that Joseph was a carpenter. Right. Um, for many of us, we think carpentry is just wood. But back during that time, it wasn't just wood, but he was also a stonemason. And so any items that they made, they wouldn't sell them in, in Nazareth because they had no travelers that came through Nazareth. So they would journey seven miles to the, to, um, um, the east and they would sell them there in Zipporah. Wow. And so, so now you're at the one o'clock position. So if you'll go to the 1230 position, there sits Nazareth. Real okay. close to Zipporah. And directly behind Nazareth is Cana. Okay. And okay. so, and so this—I mean, how many miles from, from one spot? It's about well, seven miles. From, so from let me one. tell you this: we're standing on top of, of the Mount of Megiddo. You can see them all. Really? Yeah, they're all in close proximity. Wow! Wow! Close proximity. But now you, you mentioned the different countries. I mean, they're all still in Israel, right? Or not? They're all in Israel. These are okay. all these are all biblical towns. Okay. And yeah, they're all in Israel. Wow. And now I'm assuming that because of the tourist trade, that there's no problem as far as identifying this. This is well. Let me tell you something that's very beautiful. So Israel, they are huge in preserving their history. So any time that they begin to build, whether it's a condo, a high rise, a community, and they begin to dig for a foundation and they uncover a civilization, the Department of Antiquity steps in and they stop the building. As a matter of fact, they're going to take the, the property from you. Wow. And they're going to relocate you to another parcel of property because they're going to excavate that yeah, site because yeah. they want to uncover their history. Yeah. You're talking, you know, over 3,000 years of history. And I would imagine that that's almost always. <laughs> am, am I right? I mean, it is. When the, the 
there's been there's so much history there. Uh, I, I remember reading an old book one time talking about that they they found the stables where Solomon's horses were. Yep. And I, I was so fascinated by that. They said they're just digging, and here they are. And I said, what are, what are all these squares here? And they realized it so was. So you know where you were at. No, well, right where we're standing right now on Megiddo. Is that right? Yep. Wow. Wow. <laughs> but now, okay, from from Galilee, there of Galilee, Cana. How far is it to Jerusalem? Then. So well, let's 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 go on our journey before we go to Jerusalem. Okay. All right. So so here we are. We, um, you've got Nazareth. Behind Nazareth is Cana, and then you'll go through a valley, and then here we are in at the Sea of Galilee. Okay. Um, Galilee is like um, it, it, it is a, a very fruitful area. As a matter of fact, they've unearthed many synagogues around the Sea of Galilee because we know the, the scriptures tell us that Jesus went all throughout the Galilee preaching at their synagogues. Um, Magdala, phenomenal site right. that has been uncovered there, where um, Mary Magdalene came from. Mary Magdalene yeah. came from, um, and you know, and also the woman with the issue of blood came from Magdala. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And so there is a phenomenal um, um, synagogue that's been unearthed there that um, um, they have preserved the synagogue and then they have built a chapel next to it. And one of the the, 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 the rooms inside of the chapel is the encounter chapel, which you go into. And I'm going to tell you something. You know, God is a God that is intended to be encountered. Um, you know, we want to institutionalize God. And God says, no, I don't want to be institutionalized. I want, to, I want my people to encounter me. And there's something about walking in the land of the Bible that you begin to encounter him. And so here in, in Magdala, in this encounter chapel, and, and I wish I could explain it to you. Almost every group that I take into that encounter chapel, it's like they encounter the spirit of God. And we begin to talk about the woman with the issue of blood who, who chose to be able to break culture at that time. You know, she could have been stoned. For, um, for, for pressing through the crowd. As a matter of fact, she had to be able to, to keep a, a safe distance from people and she had to let people know that she was hemorrhaging, that she had, uh, she had a blood flow. And she basically was saying that she was unclean. And if they would have identified her, they could have stoned her. Oh. And so here she turns and she presses through and she touches the hem of his garment. Wow. And you know, for many people, you know, um, Jack, they don't understand what, what was going on there. You see, back in, in the book of, of Numbers, God instructed Moses to tell the people of Israel to be able to build um, um, these, these white and blue striped garments that have tassels on the end. Those tassels are what they call zitzits. And those zitzits have a, a, some numbers and they have some, or some wrappings and they have some knots. And, and in biblical numerology, they equate to the number 613. And I know I'm giving you a lot right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. But you know what 613 <laughs> is? It's 613 blessings and commands of God based in the Torah. So when this woman reached out and she touched the, end, the hem of his garment, she wasn't touching like the corner of a bathrobe. She was reaching out and she was touching what was touching him, which was the word of God. And she placed a demand upon God's word. She said, God, you have promised me inside of your word. And she grabbed hold of that, of that tzitzit. And all of a sudden, wow. if you remember, Jesus turned and said, who's touching? Yeah. And the disciples were like, Jesus, everybody's <laughs> yeah. touching you. The crowd is pressing in. She, right. And he turned and he said, nope, somebody touched me with virtues. The virtue is going out of me. Yeah, yeah, he felt power go out of him. Wow. And so, but you know, what's amazing is that for, for many of my groups that I take to Israel, Jack, they don't understand that. And they'll turn to me, they'll say, Pastor, what are those little tassels that are hanging out underneath the shirts of these men? And I'll explain to them. 
Wow. But you know, Malachi talks about that healing will arise uh, or that, that the Messiah will have healing in his wings. Right. The Son of Righteousness will arise with healing in his wings. You know, the, the prayer shawl that has those, um, those same tassels on it, those same zitzits, um, are also referred to as wings. Wow. And so he says the Son of Righteousness will arrive with healing in his wings. So here, he, we know he was a rabbi, so he would have constantly wore a prayer shawl. And so when she reached out and grabbed the hem of his garment, she was grabbing the hem of his prayer shawl, placing it a man upon God. And she was healed. And Hallelujah. She was healed. It, was, oh my. it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Wow. Wow. Yeah, and that was that happened. He was uh, um, on the way to somebody's house. Yep. And uh, that's, that's the time where they say, well, no, no, don't don't come to my house. Am I, am I getting my stories right here? Close. Yeah. We're, we're in close proximity okay. because what you're talking about <laughs> happened in Capernaum. Okay. And, and that is actually the centurion that he finds out his centurion's yeah. servant yeah. is sick. And you know what's amazing? That, uh, uh, listen, you cut me. I believe this stuff. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> like it, yeah. And, and, and so, you know, here he turns and, and he tells the centurion, listen, I'll come to your house and make your servant whole. And the centurion turns and says, no, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. Just speak the word and I know my servant will be right, whole. Right, right, right. You know what's amazing is that when I was a young boy growing up, and I'm sure you probably had the same experience, that my father would make a statement to me. He'd say, son, as long as you live under my roof. You're going to do what I tell. Right. And what the centurion was saying, he was saying, Jesus, I recognize because I'm a man under authority. I say to this one, go right. and he goes. I say to this one, come and he comes. And in the Greek, those words are instant. You know, there was no open debate. There was not, let me pray about it. It was instant. And he turns and he recognizes that Jesus, too, is a man under authority. And he said, listen, just speak the word. Right. And I know my servant made whole. You know, there's only two times in the scriptures that, that Jesus marveled. Right. Uh, one was the lack of faith of those in Nazareth. Right. The other was the great faith of this centurion yeah. there in Capernaum. And so it was, it was during that time that the woman with the issue of blood came, and, and this happened. And then it's like, it's like the story kind of takes a little pause there. It does. And this happens, and then they pick up the story after she's been ministered to. I, I remember that. Wow. So, so up there, <laughs> if you could imagine on the northern side, the Sea of Galilee is Capernaum. Next to Capernaum is Chorazin and Bethsaida. Right. They call that the Jesus Triangle because there was more miracles performed in those three cities than anywhere really? else with inside of all of Israel. And that's why Jesus gave them the woes. Woe to you. If Sodom and Gomorrah would have experienced you know, this type of miraculous power, they certainly would have repented. And it's like anything. They began to take him for granted. Um, but it certainly causes the Bible to come alive when you begin to see that okay. that these were those cobblestone streets. That well, I've been formed. I've been talking to my congregation about the how the the, the ministry transcended from John the Baptist to Jesus, and, and how that the the overall ministry is connected because John was preaching the gospel of repentance. He was preaching the gospel of the coming of the Messiah, and then some of the disciples that were of John began to follow Jesus. So now, where did John mostly minister at? Where, where, where was his area of influence mostly? So, John is the cousin of Jesus. Right. And, and so, John was um, um, from a, an area just a little bit east of where Jesus was at. Okay. But you know what's amazing is that John is a, um, we know his, son, his father, Zechariah, right. was a priest. Right. So, John the Baptist was a priest. He was a Kohenim, which which is a, a part of the Cohen family, which were priests. And you know what's amazing is, is that every lamb that was sacrificed in the temple had to be approved by a priest. 
they had to be able to say that they were spotless and that they were worthy to be sacrificed. So I want to fast forward with you. Okay. So now there's one out in the wilderness. They say he's just a rough man. He's eating um, honey and, and, and locusts, and he's got on a, um, a really rough raiment, and he's baptizing people. We know him as John the Baptist. Right. But John the Baptist was also a priest, even though he didn't study for the priesthood. He still was born as a son in a priestly family. And so people ask, they say, well, hold on for a second. If, if Jesus was the perfect sacrifice on Calvary's hill, um, and every lamb that was sacrificed for the sins of the people, that their blood would cover the people on, on the day of atonement, Yom Kippur, should there not been a priest that would have inspected Jesus to be able to declare oh, that he was spotless. Oh my goodness. Come on, you know where I'm going <laughs> I, I just now. read this Sunday. You know yeah. where I'm going. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. <laughs> yeah, and what he was doing right then, he was sanctifying him. He was he was declaring that he was spotless. Oh my, the my, perfect my. <laughs> See, this is why I love taking groups sure, to Israel. Sure. He's making the Bible come alive. But now when you go, I mean, are they teaching this someplace? How, how are you, I mean, these are all your private studies. How are so, you finding so all these So the book things? that you have, okay. which I gave you a 2020 version, I have a 22, uh, 2022 version being printed right now. A lot of these insights are there. And so I'll give those to my groups three months prior so they're able to read them, they're able to study them. Because while I'm there, I do most of all the teachings. Um, but I'm not reteaching the stuff that's in those books. But what it does is it helps prepare them. Uh-huh. The thing I recognize, Jack, is that for many people, a journey to the Holy Land is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Sure. You know, they're not a cheap trip. When you talk about an international flight, when you're talking um, 10 days of lodging, all your food, motorcoach transportation, all of these holy cities now are national parks. So I told you that when the nation of Israel finds um, um, some ruins, they, they began to excavate. Well, they, they turn it over to the, the, the Parks um, and Antiquities Department. And so now it becomes a national park. And so there's an entrance fee to be able to get into these parks, but they're preserving biblical history. And so it, it, it's beautiful. So when you uh, put one of these tours together, you figured it to the point to where you say, well, this is how much it'll cost, and you come pretty close? <laughs> I, I, I do. And so what takes place is, is we cover probably 99% of all the costs in, in the initial fee. You'll have, you'll have a few lunches that you've got to be able to pay for, and then there is a, about $120 in tips and gratuity. And let me explain that to you. So here in America, we go into a restaurant, we order a meal, we pay our bill, and we leave a tip. Um, in, in Israel, you won't have to do any of that. So the 120 that you pay, we tip for you as we go throughout the land. So when you pull up to a hotel, we stay at all five-star hotels. They have porters that come out. They'll unload the bus. They'll pull all your luggage off the bus. We'll give you your room keys. Inside of your room keys are a sticker with your room number on it. You put that sticker on your luggage. Those porters take those bags to your room. And when we get ready to leave that hotel, they'll take those bags down to the bus and load the bus. We tip those out of those money also. Okay. So you're not you're not having to be able to constantly be shelling money out of your pocket. Well, let's do this. Yes, while we're kind of on this, because we want to get back to talking about Israel, but there may be somebody interested in uh, doing a tour with you. Okay. How would they contact you? They can contact me at um, um, either either through my cell phone, 850-321-7112. Okay. They can reach me through email, pe at lifewaycc.com. I also have a website, holylandencounters.com. So all three of those methods. Thank Holy you. Land Encounters. That sounds like if all, everything you just said would be the easiest thing to <laughs> <laughs> HolyLandEncounters.com. And what's beautiful is that you can you can um, um, view 
a PDF version of my book on there. Um, I have numerous videos, numerous okay. articles, as well as you'll see all the different tours that are going and pick one out that you like and you can be a part of so it. So Holy Land Encounters, the website would also give you the phone number that is to correct. reach you. That is correct. Okay, that's what that, I think that's what we're going to go with here. Okay, that sounds <laughs> because, good to me. Well, I think it would be easier for people to remember. Absolutely. And a lot of times what will happen is that somebody will hear the interview or whatever, they won't remember, they'll call me and I'm going to write it down right here. <laughs> Holy <laughs> Land Encounters. Okay. So dot, what, com. dot com. Dot com. So the reason why we formulated this, um, I work with the number one tour company in all of Israel. So they have offices here in the U.S. as well as there. Um, some tour companies, they don't have offices in the U.S. And so when you travel there, it, um, Israel is seven hours ahead of us. And so if there was ever an incident, if you didn't have people in the land that could handle that for you, it makes it very, very difficult. Sure, sure. But this tour company on any given week will have over 80 groups in the land. Now tell me about overall safety when you go. Do you feel That's safe? A great question. Um, I have never, ever felt unsafe. Huh. As a matter of fact, my wife's birthday was um, this past month in July, and she told me, she said, honey, I want to go to a Braves game. And so we went to Atlanta, drove in there on a Saturday, had a Saturday night game, and then we got a hotel room. I feel more safe walking the streets in Israel than I did walking the streets in Atlanta. Oh. And so it is very, very safe. As a matter of fact, when we go up in the, in the north, just north of the Sea of Galilee is the Golan Heights. And we'll go up to Mount Bentel overlooking the, the mountain of Hermon. You know, um, and, and so it is there that I'll have an IDF officer that will come and he'll give us a military briefing on what takes place in the land. Many people don't realize how benevolent Israel really is. I don't know if you remember a few years ago where, where they had a lot of Syrian refugees trying to flee Syria. Right. And they came to the Israeli border. Well, Israel couldn't let them into the country, but Israel fed them. Israel took their sick and took them to hospitals and healed them and brought them back to the fence. Wow. They, they clothed them. They took care of them. And so, um, but what's amazing is that God is moving in Israel. You know, he's moving amongst the soldiers. Um, he's moving in Messianic congregations. And Messianic congregations, for our listeners that don't know, are those are Jewish congregations that have realized that Jesus is the Messiah. So, so, when, you say, what, him. so when you say God's moving, I mean, we're talking about they're coming to Savior our Savior, I mean, Jesus Christ. Right? It's amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. It really is because you're talking about uh, steeped in tradition. Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, yeah, for, for the revelation of Christ to come forth in this day and age. But, but I think we're we're getting close to something here. Uh, something's about to break loose. Now, now, I heard something, and maybe you can you can give some more information. And I heard this in, a, in an interview. This has been back when the, the COVID thing was just beginning to be knowledge to all of us. I don't remember what show it was on, but there was somebody who was talking about how that Israel had had uh, was, was studying the SARS thing. And they, they decided that, well, we're going to choose this particular virus as a, a study. This is way before what we know as COVID. Okay. But it happened to be COVID that they chose to study. And so they were way ahead when in all the research, and, and again, I could be wrong about it. I'm not, I'm not putting this out as fact. I'm just this is what I, what I heard 
that a lot of the research that we've had has come from what had to happen in Israel, as far as Israel. Of course, it wouldn't surprise me because God has always used the Jewish people in, in phenomenal ways throughout history. That's I mean, right. I mean, you think about the Six Day War and now that they just laid the weapons down. They, they just, the terror of God was there. Yeah. And so uh, that wouldn't surprise me. But what's happening now in Israel as far as the, the COVID thing in your latest experience or knowledge, I guess? So what's taking place in, in order to be able to travel to Israel currently they are um, requiring vaccination okay um, but there are there's great speculation that they will also accept an antibody test um, Those you know, if you if you've had it correct yeah. if you had it and you have antibodies they'll accept that because some of the new research that's coming out and let me just say something about Israel Israel leads the world in research Israel leads I, I, I've heard that and yeah. they lead the world in technology as a matter of fact most of the technology that is birthed inside of your cell phone comes from Israel. They have over 3,000 high-tech startups every single year and um, phenomenal minds. Wow. And, and so what they're, what they're realizing now is that it sounds like that if you have antibodies, it's going to last a whole lot longer than what they originally thought. Oh. And so, but right now that's what they're, that's just where they're leaning. Yeah, towards. because you, you're hearing about people who's, who's getting it, even though they've had the, uh, the vaccine. That's correct. And then you've also heard of people who've, who've gotten it twice, which is concerning to me because I was kind of under the assumption that if you, if you get it, it's kind of like most uh, viruses. You, you get it, you, you, you get antibodies in you and you're, you're good to go, but that's not necessarily true. It's kind of like uh, not, you know, they don't know everything. It's like they think they, they got the nailed down over here and they found out, no, that's not exactly right. <laughs> that's yeah. kind, of, kind of what I'm seeing here. But would you feel it's safe now to go to Israel in, in the current climate? Absolutely. Yeah. One of my great friends was just there three weeks ago. Oh, really? And was, was um, holding a tour. And, um, and just, you know, the, the remarks, I was following him while, while he was in the land in, in his daily posts, and unbelievable. So, so uh, during the, the heyday of the COVID, were, were the tours pretty much stopped, or did they continue? Yes, because what takes place in Israel, Israel is going to protect all of their citizens. Um, during the Holocaust, they lost six million Jews, uh-huh. and and there are still some Holocaust survivors that are there. So they, 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 they cherish their elderly. And so the elderly were the ones that were at the most risk. And so what they did was they shut the entire country down. Yeah. Now, Israel's a little bit different. They, they compensated all of their people for their lost wages. So, um, um, Wow. Yeah. And so they, they also have universal medicine there, but they've got some of the best hospitals in the world in Israel okay. also. So, so what's happened now, it's opened back up again. It has opened back up again. And, and when did that start? It started back up in May. In May. Yeah. Wow, that's that's recent. Yeah. <laughs> and so people who, like yourself, who are doing tours, you're back doing it. And you have one scheduled for when now? In January. Is it full? Um, I've got I've got nine scheduled for January. And so I've got some dates, January um, um, 24th through February 2nd, where I've got some availability. And, and let me say something there. That is a, um, a two-tiered trip. So my passion is leaders. My passion is pastors like yourself that have never been to Israel. Um, you love God. You love the word. But when you walk those cobblestone streets and you begin to to smell the smells and see the sights and begin to to learn um, why Jesus said the way what, what he said, um, it will change your ministry forever. And so I have a two-tiered system to where I've got a discounted rate for pastors that are ordained. 
and then I also have a rate for, for laity. And so if, if you're an ordained pastor and you're listening and you've never been to Israel, you want to go to Israel, I can get you on, on a trip to Israel for about a $1,600 reduction over what a normal person would pay on that trip. Wow. So it's Holy Land Encounters. <laughs> HolyLandEncounters.com. Dot com. And okay. so I've got um, um, two, two trips January 17th through the 26th and then January 24th through February 2nd okay. that are two-tiered. Both of them are. Well, I'll have clergy and then I'll have pastors. That are what there. is the name of your organization? Do you have a name for it? Um, well, Holy Land Encounters is, okay. Is, okay. is, is, is our main um, group and we use Israel Israel um, as our tour company. So okay. they're the number one bus company, number one tour company. I've got a great relationship with all of the owners. Um, and, and what I love is this, Jack. They allow me to put together these trips. Wow. I pick the hotels. I pick the sites. I, I, I pick the guides. I pick the buses. I pick it all. Really? And so I put them all together. So basically, you've set up your own uh, 501c3 here? That's correct. And then, then you're working with, uh, what's the name of that company again? Isram Israel. Isram. Okay. And but here's, yeah. here's, here's what I tell people. All right. So every trip's got an itinerary. But because we're an encounter trip when i look over and we're at um caesarea maritima or caesarea by the sea that's where that's where the holy spirit fell upon the gentiles for the very first time that was our pentecost and i look over and we're talking about cornelius we're talking about his alms and in in his prayers ascending unto heaven like a memorial and the spirit of god begins to move i bring worship leaders with me so we're going to be worshiping we're going to be praying through the land and i look over there jack and you got tears streaming down your face You know what we're going to do? We're going to slow down. We're going to allow you to encounter the God that's encountering you right then. That's what separates us. A lot of a lot of groups at that point, they're like, come on, Jack, come on, we got to get to the bus. And yeah. they're trying to scurry you off to where I want people to walk away with a life-changing encounter. Sure. And so that's what I love about this company. They enable me to do the things that I want to be able to do. But now do you, you don't always go to the same places? No. So, no. so every trip is different? Every trip is different. And so I have some trips, like when I tell you I have nine trips, I have some groups that have been with me five and six times. Huh. And and so all of a sudden, I, I you know I promise those leaders that every time I'm taking them to now there's some areas that you you can't get away from. No, you know everybody wants to go to Nazareth. Everybody wants to go to the Galilee, and rightly so. I love the Galilee, and everybody's got to go to Jerusalem. Oh yeah. And so, but there are many other places along the way that people can go to. Now, somebody told me this been over there recent about the Jordan River. And they said the Jordan River is just really nothing like a muddy creek. Is that, is that true? I mean, it all depends on the time of the year that you're in. Okay. Um, but fortunately, right now, um, Israel has experienced rains like that are unprecedented. The Sea of Galilee right now is at a high that it's been for, I mean, higher than it's been for decades. Really? And so as a result, the Sea of Galilee, it is dam controlled. So from the Galilee all the way down to the Dead Sea, the Jordan River, um, they control the amount of water that's being let out of the Sea of Galilee. Um, you know, Israel's actually doing a very miraculous thing. When they came back into the land, a lot of that land was uninhabitable. Uh, when we talked about the Jezreel Valley, the Jezreel Valley was, was a swamp and it was full of mosquitoes and malaria. So nobody could live in that area. Uh-huh. So they came in there and they, incult- they cultivated that land. They brought in some um, um, Malaluka trees from Australia, which were at the time were believed that they would soak up water. They built all kinds of, of canals to be able to drain the water out of that valley to the Mediterranean Sea. And they began to, to cultivate that land. Well, today, you know, 90% of all the crops that are grown in Israel, they export all throughout Europe. 
Really? Um, because it's so abundant. It's known yeah. as the bread basket huh. of, of, of the and Galilee. And, and, and I think the scripture told us that, didn't it? it did <laughs> the desert would bloom. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, of course, it was in 1948 yep. when, uh, of course, uh, Truman was president and all that happened. And uh, it's kind of like what they, they talked about, you know, the land being being desolate. So let me tell you another yeah. little, little nugget yeah. that many people don't ever put together. And this is all in my book. So 1948, there was a restoration of the nation of Israel. And there was also a restoration of, of, of the land at the same time, the land and the word. Do you recall something else that happened in 1948, 47? They found something down by the Dead Sea. In a cave, is, is that cave, the seven, uh, Dead Sea Scrolls? Yeah, in the caves yeah. of Qumran. And so those caves were found by a Bedouin shepherd, as the story goes. And, and he found these, these, these scrolls, and these scrolls were made of leather, not knowing what they were because he could not read um, ancient Hebrew because at that point, ancient Hebrew was a lost language. And he took them to a, um, a merchant in Bethlehem and to be able to sell the leather that they could be used for shoes or whatever it may be. Well, the merchant realized he had something in his hands more than just leather. Wow. And so he turned and um, um, he, he gave those to, a, to an archeologist to be able to take a look at them to see if they were of any type of value. And so the archeologist is sitting inside of his, 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 um, his office and his son is in the next room listening to the radio. And the United Nations are voting on whether to make Israel the, um, uh, their own country. And all of a sudden, this, this, this archaeologist begins to unroll, unroll this scroll. The first time the Dead Sea Scrolls were seen by man. And as he begins to unroll it and sees the ancient Hebrew text, his son comes running into the room. Daddy, 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 we're a nation. We're a nation. They voted yes. They voted yes. So at the same time that the land was restored, the Word of God was restored. Wow. The Dead Sea Scrolls <laughs> has, has every book of the Bible there inside of those caves, wow. except for one. The book of Esther was not found there inside of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Huh. But it was just amazing. But you know what, Jack? You can put this stuff together. No, but, but, you, but, couldn't, you couldn't make this up. Only, did, only God could restore them. Do they know how they got there? Does anybody know? Yes. So there were um, um, a sect of, 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 of religious leaders that lived in that area of Qumran. Um, there was a lot of, called the Essians, there was a lot of corruption that was happening in the temple at that point. We know that a lot of the priests were making profit off of people, and the Essians were purists. And so they, they could not live in Jerusalem because of what was happening with the priesthood. So they, they moved down to the Dead Sea, and they had a, like a, um, a community down there that they would study the scriptures. They, they, would, they would begin to worship God. And, um, and so it was there that they would take those parchments. Um, well, we know that in 70 AD, um, Titus came in and destroyed Jerusalem. And as he made his way down towards Masada, which is down by the Dead Sea, which was a fortress of King Herod, he had to pass by Qumran. And so many believe it was then that these Essians took these scrolls, which were sacred to them, and hid them up in these caves. And, wow. and the Essians were slaughtered by the Romans. But, but were the caves themselves hidden? I mean, you just, you, you just didn't know they were there? So listen, so it's not just that you wouldn't know they were there. There are thousands of caves. Ah. And so you got to remember, this is the Dead Sea. And so what, ha what has happened over time, the Dead Sea has, has, has dried up, even though they, it's still the lowest point in the earth, um, e even though that the, um, it's almost 1,300 feet at the bottom of the Dead Sea below sea level. Um, and so, but yeah, 
But they, they hid those in caves, but there were so many caves there, they would never have thought to look into all and, those and only, and only God could orchestrate this, that these would be found. And of course, the timing that you've talked about, that's just incredible. Yeah. I love it when God brings a plan together. <laughs> and listen, and you know what's amazing is that there are thousands of testimonies of him doing exactly Amen. just that. Amen. Hey, let me just tell the radio audience what we're doing here. <laughs> We've been having such a good time. This is the Gospel on the Radio talk show. And I have to do this more often here because we're, we're new on this station, 94.1. I'm Pastor Jack King. I've been doing this show for about 20 years, but this is our second Sunday here on 94.1. Brother Eli Hendricks is uh, our our guest today, and he's taking us a tour of Israel, and it's been exciting. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> my goodness, brother, the amount of knowledge that's coming out of you is just, just blowing me away. <laughs> <laughs> but it's exciting. Let me let me say something that I believe that our um, listening audience can can grab hold of. Um, you know, the father of American literature is a man by the name of Mark Twain. You know, we've all read Mark Twain's yep. books as a young lad growing up. You know, in school, something I didn't realize is that Moses gave a prophecy back in Deuteronomy chapter twenty nine, and in that prophecy, he talked about how the land was going to become very desolate, and that nothing it would be uninhabitable, and that nobody would ever grow anything could ever grow there. Nobody would ever want this land. And one of the things that I recognize about prophecy is that sometimes prophecy takes centuries for it to ever be fulfilled. Um, sometimes it takes millennia for it to be fulfilled. But Moses foresaw a day where the land was going to be completely desolate. Well, we know through history that Mark Twain went on a journey from San Francisco, boarded a ship, and went to the Holy Land. And you can read about his, his writings, about his findings, about everything that, um, that he encountered while he was there. Well, one of the things that Mark Twain wrote about was exactly what Moses prophesied. Moses prophesied a stranger was going to come to the land and that he was going to write about how desolate the land was, how it was uninhabitable and nobody ever wanted it. At one point, um, Mark Twain wrote inside of his, 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 his periodicals wow. that he traveled almost 10 miles before he even encountered anybody because nobody wanted to be able to live there. And so it's the last day. He's in the holy city of Jerusalem. Mark Twain's getting ready the very next day to be able to board a boat to be able to go to Joppa to board a boat to be able to go back on his journey to San Francisco it's the Sabbath it's a Saturday I've already told you about the Parsha right. and how it's a prescribed reading so in synagogues all over the world they are um, reading the same scriptures all over the world it's something that was established centuries before so it wasn't anything that was just concocted that week or you know it was it was something that was already um, prescribed and so he's walking the cobblestone streets of Jerusalem on the Sabbath, which is a Saturday in the Jewish culture. What is the prescribed reading of that day? Deuteronomy 29, verses 22 through 23, where it's talking about the stranger. Oh, my goodness. So not, o- not only are they reading about the stranger, but the stranger is walking the streets of Jerusalem the very day that they're all reading it. So you can't make this stuff <laughs> no, up, Jack. No. But you know what it does is it stirs up our faith. We sure, realize that sure. our God is an ever-present help he in is, time of need. He, he never leaves us, nor does he ever forsake us. Yeah. And we realize that, you know, if he takes time every day to count the very strands of hair upon our head, he is so um, intimately entwined in every aspect of that's our amazing. lives. Yeah. And, and if we could just grab hold of that, that's why I love these trips. People are like, oh, my word, Pastor. I can't understand, you know, how great God is and, and that he's, a part of my life every single day. So you say 29 um, trips you've made and you do what, two a year, maybe maybe three? It all depends. Um, I got them coming from everywhere. I've got a friend of mine that I never even knew sought me um, out of Arizona. 
Um, as a matter of fact, let me tell you a little story. He was the Wrangler man for Wrangler jeans back in the 70s. And he, <laughs> had, he has two large congregations. One's a cowboy church that he preaches from a mule in a stadium, of a rodeo stadium. Um, and he turned and um, serves on the Southern um, um, Baptist World Mission Board. And he called me one day and he said, he said, listen, I've been, I met him one day in, in Israel. And he said, I, I want to take my congregation. Um, I have all kinds of tour companies that are beating my door down. He said, but as I'm praying, the Holy Spirit is telling me that I need to go with you. And so I take his congregation to Israel. And I've got uh, a big a Baptist association down in Vero Beach that goes with me. I mean, I've got them from, from Linton, Michigan, and they're all over. They're just coming out of the woodworks. So normally what I do is if, if a group's been with me multiple times, um, I'll book two or three groups together. Now, they won't, tra- they won't travel together. They'll all have their separate buses, their own separate identities, but we all stay at the same hotels. And so there's times where one, one group will turn and say, hey, listen, will you go and do the teaching for us in Caesarea? No problem. So they'll, uh, I'll go to Caesarea, I'll jump on that bus, I'll go to Caesarea, and, and I'll do the teaching, and all of a sudden a, a cab will pick me up and boom, run me over to Mount Carmel, and I'll be with that group for the rest of the day. So, so you have other people who are actually doing the, helping you with the tours. That is correct. Uh, okay. And so you know, every pastor that I take, they want to have an opportunity to be able to, to teach in the land of the Bible. And so we'll take, we take worship leaders with us. We'll take some film crews. I'll shoot commercials and things there. But you know what's amazing is I had a, um, a great, great man. He's my mom's pastor down in um, um, Port St. Lucie. And he was with us. And I turned to him and I said, Brother Bill, would you like to be able to teach on the Sea of Galilee? We're going to go on a boat ride. And out in the middle of the boat, we're going to shut the motors off. We're going to sing some songs. We're going to worship God. And I'll give you about 10 or 15 minutes. I said, you can look around the Sea of Galilee. You can teach him anything you want. Um, you got everything here. This is this is the the, the, the <laughs> central focus. And he turned to me and he said, um, "I would love to." And so he turned and he and, and, and we got ready to transition. And I walked up to his wife, and the Holy Spirit. It's just hard to even imagine how much God wants to be encountered. It was the Holy Spirit had come onto that boat, and and Jack. Everybody was weeping. Huh. And I walked up to her and I said, Carol, are you okay? She said, Pastor, what am I feeling right now? I said, you're being overwhelmed by the love of God. And she said, I have never felt this in my life and I love this. So she told me later, she had never heard her husband preach like he preached on the Sea of Galilee. Wow. It was just amazing. <laughs> so what'll take place is like if I have churches, I have a lot of churches that I want to go. So the pastors will come. Sometimes they'll bring some of their leadership. Sometimes they'll bring their own worship leader. And I can do as much or as little as a pastor wants to be able to do. Um, but wow. I still resource the entire group with it, with my book. You wore out when you come back? I love it. But are you I'm wore out when you come a, back? A little bit. <laughs> so I, I was there in January 2020 and um, had, had um, wow. I think, nine groups, and I was there for 34 days straight. So you you had nine groups under your authority. So what takes That's place it. is I'll fly over with one group or two groups wow. or three groups, um, you know, and it'll go Monday through Wednesday. On Wednesday, I'm going to put them on a flight. I'm going to um, fly them back home, and as they're taking off, another group is landing. So Monday through Wednesday. Right. Three days. No, no, 10 days. 10 days. So Wednesday of the following oh, okay, week. Okay, okay. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so as one group is taken off, another group is landing. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's, so you have people who work with you. I mean, the, the, oh, correct. On, on a regular basis. Uh, I mean, they, they go with you. Absolutely. I have guides that are there yeah. that, that, that I handpick. 
um, very knowledgeable guides. I've got um, one guide, her name is Susan. Um, she's like a Jewish mother. She's 72 years old. The knowledge that comes out of her. She's written wow. a book, um, Enter His Gates with Thanksgiving. And just a strong believer, but has such a, a, a passion for God. And so she's one of the groups, and all of our, our groups fall in love with her, now, one we're, of our leaders. We're, we're getting down to, at the end of time. We, we better go to Jerusalem. <laughs> <laughs> so what takes place, Jack, is, is, is you know, we'll, we'll leave the, the Galilee, and we'll go up um, through a, an old ranch, uh, ancient Roman town called Bashan. It's probably the most miraculous excavated site in all of, 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 of Israel as it, as it pertains to Roman sites. And we'll spend the day there. We'll go to Herod Spring where, where Gideon um, dwindled his army down to 300 faithful men. Really? Yep. I'd love to go there. And then we'll come up the Jordan Rift and we'll go to um, um, Jericho, you know, one of the, 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 most, the oldest um, inhabited cities in the world. Um, we may stop over at Shiloh where the children of Israel were, were, were there for 369 years where the Ark of the Covenant was. And then we'll turn, we'll make our way up to Jerusalem because everybody that goes to Jerusalem has to make an Aliyah. An Aliyah in Hebrew is an upward movement, it's an upward stance, it's a, it's a, it's a journey to Jerusalem. And as we journey to Jerusalem, um, um, we'll begin to, to play a song. And that song is by John Starnes and it's called Jerusalem. And what it does is it prepares people for the holy city, um, the city of God, a, a place that has had so many prophetic words that have been spoken over it, that has encountered the, oh, the, yeah. the miracle power of God. And let me play that song yeah. for our listeners right now. got them you've got them on the bus and they're singing this song yeah and then what happens we come through a tunnel and um and as we come through that tunnel for the very first time off to the left they're able to see the the, the temple mount wow they're able to see the kidron valley they're able to see the garden of gethsemane Wow, that, that, that would be a moment in time you'd never forget for the rest of your life. Oh, I'm telling you, everybody <laughs> Do you remember the first time? I do. For yourself? I do. <laughs> wow, wow. That's amazing. Brother Eli, you've done such a good job here. Just giving us just, just a glimpse. I mean, a hunger. <laughs> I want to go see this. I, you know, I'm I'm getting at an age now. I, I need to stop putting this off. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. My goodness, uh, Holy Land Encounters. Encounters. Dot com. Dot com. Pastor Eli Henry. We got just a couple minutes here. You are a local pastor here. Tell us about the church a little bit. So I pastor Lifeway Community Church. We currently are meeting inside the auditorium of um, Community Christian School on the okay. corner of Cary Forest and Valdaderry. Um, we're in a renovation project right now of another property that we have over on um, Capital Circle, 3206 Northwest Capital Circle, um, on the corner of Fred George and Capital Circle. Um, sits up on the hill. It'll probably be towards the end of the year before we finish that renovation of that, that facility to make it suitable for our congregation. And what time do you start on Sunday morning? Sunday mornings at 10.30. Do you have a website? Or? I do. LifeWayCC.com. Okay. 
and uh, I'm the pastor of Freedom Road Christian Ministry here at 720 Capital Circle Northeast and uh, so you got two choices to go <laughs> if you want to come we, we start at 1105 we're we're right across from the prison there on uh, Capital Circle um, if you're heading down Capital Circle toward Park Avenue away from Easterwood we'll have a sign out for you there on Sunday morning Two great places to go worship the Lord and uh, be a part of. Uh, I tell you what, you 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 have just absolutely opened my mind to things because I mean I love and you said this earlier. I love the Word of God. I love to read it. Love to study. Love to read the Gospels over and over and over again. And to be able to see some of these things that you're talking about to to go to the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, Man, I tell you what, that's, that's, that's on my bucket list. Listen, listen, I can't wait to take you down the Via Della Rosa. The way <laughs> take you to the garden tomb. Um, it's, uh, it, it, it's amazing. Oh, man, man. To be able to go into the, the, the old Jerusalem, the city of David, to walk through Hezekiah's tunnel. Wow. And to be able to experience the, the presence of God. Amen. It's, it's amazing. Let's pray, Father God. I thank you, Lord, for this this that we have experienced today and what we what we've seen through Brother Eli's words, Father God. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for all that you do, and Lord God, I do pray that you would give many of us the opportunity to go and to experience. And Father God, we pray over our churches today, Father God. Let the Holy Spirit just move through our services. Father, we pray for we pray for America. We pray for the world. We pray for peace. And Father, we pray for peace in the city of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel. And these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And until next Sunday morning, may the Lord bless you.